to episode eight. It's only grown up its podcast. Five million years. Um, I, we probably should have looked this up before we started, but I really, I think it's been two months. It's completely my fault. Yeah. Catherine had a wedding. She got married like a girl. <laughs> and so we I ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back now. We have wine. Um, we have chocolate. So we're pretty much ready to get this rolling. Yeah. So in case you've forgotten, which, um, I mean, is totally plausible, uh, we, our theme for today is going to be Atonement. So Atonement is a book by Ian McEwen, um, which I think came out in like 2000 something early ish, 2001. Yeah. Um, and I really, I read the book, uh, probably. 2007, eight ish, somewhere in there. Um, and it, because, and I think I was explaining this to you. I, uh, we really jumped in. We didn't do any introductions or anything. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, anyway, I was reading this article ab- about some like upcoming films that were coming out and they were based on movies. They were based on books. They that were books more based on movies and then they made another movie about the, about the book. Based no. On I read this article about movies that were coming out that were based on really good books. And Atonement was one of them. And the other two um, were I Am Legend and No Country for Old Men. Both of which I... I so I loved all three books. Um, and obviously the books were better than the movies. Although No Country for Old Men, I think it's like the movie was really, really good. It was pretty much on par with the, with the book because it was the same thing. But anyway, but Atonement... I actually did not watch the movie for a couple of years after I read the book because it kind of destroyed me emotionally. You were in a deep, deep depression. Yeah. So I guess let's get into the book. So first. Allison made me read the book and right. then watch the movie a month later because she wants me to be miserable. Right. Basically, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, so this book takes place in, I think it's like 1935-ish. Yeah. Um, and it takes place... The, I mean, the beginning takes place at, like, this this country estate in England, um, a pretty wealthy family, mm-hmm. and there's three kids. Um, the it's father, like Downton Abbey. Oh, gosh. Um, the father... <laughs> got a little excited. <laughs> Anything in the country in England with wealth is, like, Downton yeah, Abbey in my mind. Pretty much. The father, um, he works a lot in... I think he works in London, so, like, they live outside of London. Um... But so he works like a lot. Um, I mean, I kind of got from it that he's probably like got a second family or something. (laughs) Probably. Um, So he's like hardly ever home. The mother like constantly has migraines. Um, The oldest son is Leon and he's like in London, like doing working wealthy. Yeah, he's grown. Yeah. Wealthy oldest son things. And the middle daughter is Cecilia. She just finished college. Mm-hmm. And the youngest sister, Bryony, is like 13. And she's like, so I think from the beginning, it kind of takes place like from Bryony's point of view. Yeah. I mean, it, it switches back and forth um, because basically what happens is, um, so Bryony is like, she's very smart and she wants to be a writer, but she's very, you can tell she's very sheltered. I mean, obviously it's 1930s. You know, and 
so she's also like year old. I feel like emotionally immature. Yeah, even though she's smart, right? And so their cousins come to stay with them because basically the mother, her sister married this guy and then had an affair, ran off with this other guy. So this like fifteen year old girl and her like look, starts with an L. I can't oh. remember. What? Lila? No, I don't, I don't know. No, that's not it. Anyway, um, and the two and her two younger brothers who are twins come and stay with them. So it's kind of basically what happens is there's an incident that happens between Cecilia and the like the house. The like the housemaid. What is she? She's like the the main housekeeper, right? Yeah. Her son. Yeah, she. Yeah. Her son Robbie, uh, who is the same age as Cecilia, and just finished school as well. And like, I guess the dad of the of the estate, like the wealthy family, he like he likes him and he takes him under his wing because Robbie's Paid dad for left his when school he was younger, right? And like, kind of like adopted him almost. Mm-hmm. Like they live like on their property and like a right cottage thing yeah um so i guess things have been weird between robbie and cecilia like they just because they were in town at the same time they pretty much went to the same school but they hardly ever talked or hung out or anything um but then this like weird thing happens where um this vase gets broken and cecilia takes her clothes off jumps in the water to get the the part of the vase that broke back um and so Bryony sees this from a window inside the house. Right. And she interprets it in, or she doesn't even know how to interpret it with her little immature 13 year old mind. Um, so the book is pretty cool because it starts out with Bryony's perspective and it talks about um, what she sees and how she, you know, quote unquote interprets it. Um, and then it, I think it goes into Cecilia's mm-hmm. story. So it starts from the beginning of, of the story again, but from Cecilia's point of view. And then it does the same thing with even the mother. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of my favorite parts because the mother has these migraines. So she like lays in bed in the yeah. dark a lot. But the way that he describes her being able to like hear things going on in the house and kind of knowing what's going on, even though she's not an active part of it. Right. I thought that that, that was, cool. yeah. Um, so basically, then Leon comes home. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, like, I don't I don't want us to, like, give away what actually happens and everything. But, but basically, Leon comes home and he brings with him this, like, guy who is the heir to, like, some chocolate empire or whatever. He made chocolate for, like, the, that was marketed towards, like, for soldiers or something. And they think yeah. they're going to go to war. Mm-hmm. So he's going to like make a bunch of money. Cause yeah. I don't know. And he's kind of a D bag, like an oblivious D bag kind of person. Definitely. But basically what ends up happening is the twins. Um, I, have, I don't know if they like get in a fight with um, their sister or something, but they end up like running away. Mm-hmm. So everybody's at, Oh, you got to talk skip, about, yeah. yeah, we skipped the part. Yeah. So, right before this. Um, yeah. So, basically, well, after the whole, like, fountain thing. Right. She Cecilia's upset, and she goes inside. Right. And what's his name in the Robbie. Room? Robbie's upset. So, he go, starts to walk home, but he runs into Leon as Leon's coming home mm-hmm. from, like, he's coming home for the weekend or something. 
and he tells Robbie to join them for dinner tonight. And then Robbie comes inside, or I mean, Leon comes inside, and Cecilia is like seeing him, and she gets really mad that he invited Robbie. And then you see Robbie go home. So Robbie takes a bath. Oh, <laughs> oh that's in the movie. We'll talk about that when it's movie. But so basically, Robbie's like getting ready for dinner tonight. Sorry, I have a cold. That's all right. Um, yeah, Robbie's getting dinner, getting ready for dinner that night, and he, like, sits down at his desk, and he wants to, like, type a note to Cecilia. So, like, you know, the way that the, the book is written, it's, like, going through Robbie's thoughts, and basically, both he and Cecilia can't figure out why things are weird between them, mm-hmm. and then, like, the whole fountain thing, I think, like, starts to make them wonder if, like, they have feelings for each mm-hmm. other. And so there's like Robbie, tension in that scene, you know, right. like chemistry. Right. And Robbie um, writes, starts writing a note and it's like really stupid. Like he's trying to write a note about like, I'm sorry about the whole like fountain thing that I broke your vase and blah, blah, blah. And that things have been weird and blah, blah, blah. And he thinks the note is stupid. So he like rips it up and he like, so he, you just go like, he keeps trying to like write down his feelings and it's not really working. So he finally like types up this note. Um, basically, <laughs> it's, like, two lines, I think, and yeah. it's basically, like, I want, I think it says I want to kiss your cunt. Yeah, something like, which, I mean, if you got a note like that now, that would be shocking and, like, pretty right. vulgar, like but in, like, 1930, but then he, like, kind of, like, jokingly, like, right. like, he was just kind of, like, joking around. Well, I mean, and right. I think that, that was, like, his real feelings. But, like, he obviously like, he can't say that. Yeah. Right. So then he takes it off, and then he, like, writes another note of real, like, you know, and he finally gets it out and everything. So then he's he's getting ready, and he puts the note in this envelope and um, brings it, like, he's, he starts walking towards the house for dinner. So Bryony is in, like, this little tiff because her cousins won't be in her play or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, sulking outside the house and whatever. So Robbie, like, sees her and can tell she's not in a good mood. And he's like, hey, do you want, like, I have a, um, I don't know, I have a job for you to do or something. So he gives her the note to give to Cecilia. And um, I think in the book, like, pretty much, like, she runs away and he, um, I can't remember, like, how it happens in the book, but I think he just gradually realizes, like, she, like, as she's running towards the house yeah. ahead of him, he, like, realizes that he accidentally, like, he's retracing his steps in his mind, and he realizes he grabbed the vulgar note right. and not the one he intended to read. It's kind of like when you <clears throat> send an email, like, when you write you, out like, a, an email in, in response, and that's supposed to be your practice one, and you then you go, like, you're supposed to delete it and then write another one that's, but, like, like he more level-headed. Yeah, he pressed send. <laughs> You and can't get that back. he like realized like when she's way like she's like at yeah. the house like it's too, a couple it's, hundred yards away and he tries to yell and stop her but it's right. too late. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Bryony gets inside and then she reads the, the she reads the letter because like she's like nosy. Yeah. But I think like I can't remember if this is really portrayed in the book. In the book, I remember thinking that she felt like. There, like she needed to like she was protective. protecting yeah right. she needed to protect her sister and like what is this about because and she she I you know she feels older than she is she feels she's at that age where like you're 13 and, and you think you're like right so grown up you think you're you're an adult now and mm-hmm. so she feels protective of her sister especially because she saw that whole thing by the mm-hmm. um, fountain and she misinterpreted it or doesn't know how to interpret it 
But I think it's also, I think she has kind of like a childhood crush on him. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like jealousy too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she's really admitting that to herself at this point. Yeah. Or if it's just, it, it seems more obvious that way in the movie to right. me, I think. But anyway. So then she reads the note and she's like, well, like, I don't know why. I think in the in the book, I can't remember if she like knows what it means or if she just knows that it's like bad. a bad word. Um, I think it's probably one of those things where, like, you kind of look at it and you're like, it seems like a, like, I don't actually know what it means, but it seems like a bad word. Right. Um, which I kind of feel like, you know, cunt is kind of that kind of a word Mm because it's so, like, blunt Mm -hmm. and it just sounds like it's got to be a bad word. Yeah. Even if you don't. And, like, anything where you'd want to kiss someone, so even if you don't know what it is, but, like, let off by that, you know it's got to be. Yeah. So, she, like. She event she brings the note to Cecilia, and Cecilia reads it, and she's like, "Bryony, did you read this?" <laughs> and I think she can tell that Bryony has read it, but whatever. So then, Robbie gets to the house. Who's like, "What the hell else is he gonna yeah. do?" Yeah, and so awkward. I in feel the movie, bad. it's like it's super awkward. It's him just like trudging towards the house because he's like, "I have to go. I can't not go." But right. He, like, it's one of those things where like, he doesn't know what to expect. Right. Um. Like. I think that he expects Cecilia to have read it and, like, told her brother and, like, he's going to get his ass kicked yeah. when he gets there or something. But he gets there and I think it's Cecilia that, like, um, opens the, the door. door yeah. And it's kind of, obviously it's awkward, but, like, in a way where she kind of reciprocates. Yeah. But anyway, they end up going to the library. <laughs> but they end up, like, kind of, like, they're... They're fucking, but they're also, like, they say that they love each other. Yeah, like, so this they, is, like, they, the culmination right. of them, like, both suppressing their feelings for a really long yeah. time. Like, kind of, like, realizing what it means. And yeah. it's, like, it's supposed, like, you feel like it's, like, a really great thing that's happening. Like, right. you don't feel it's like really it's... really beautiful. Yeah. It's, like, you're, like, you think it's, it, it comes across... It's, like, romantic. Like, right. Yeah. True love. Yeah. And, like, these this is people so great. finally found each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, even though there was this, like awkward mix-up of the letters like I think that that like the bluntness of the letter really facilitated them like admitting their feelings because I feel like if he had used the actual note you know where it was just right. like mm-hmm. more formal <laughs> right didn't come right out and say what part of her body he wanted to kiss <laughs> um <laughs> that it wouldn't have been as easy for them to just kind of get there yeah uh literally um <laughs> But then they go, but then Bryony walks in on them because she yeah. again is a nosy little Because she's bitch. nosy. She walks in on them and is so weird about it. Yeah. She like she walks in like, on them like a mom. Like she right. walks in, sees what's happening. And like, I would think if I were like 13 and saw something like that, I would like run out of the room or something. But she stands there and stares at them until they, till they leave the room. Right. Which is so uncomfortable. <laughs> so anyway, so they're at dinner and then that's when they realize that like the twin boys the um Bryony and Cecilia and Leon's cousins aren't there. So they send Bryony up to their room to get them, and that's when they find the note saying that they've run away. So then everybody goes out to look for them, except for the mother and no, it was just the mother that saved yeah. time. They all so they go, go out, out in pairs, kind of. Right. Except for I think Robbie goes by himself. Yep. Um, and I think Bryony ends up just kind of like wandering out there by herself. So anyway, she ends up eventually 
going to this part of the yard, I guess, and she basically ends up seeing somebody uh, in in flagrante with uh, her cousin. <coughs> the, like, little 15-year-old. Yeah. What the hell is her name? But basically, and she doesn't actually see who it is. Mm-hmm. But she assumes that it's Robbie based yeah. on everything else that she's seen, like, you know, with the fountain and the, the note and the library. She like, thinks he's, like, a sexual predator. She, right. Because when she walks in the library, she thinks that oh, Robbie's attacking right. her sister. Yeah. We should make it clear that he, she, like, assumes that, like, her sister is being raped, basically. Right. Lola. Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember it. That's the cousin's name. Something very un-English. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, but then I think uh, Leon and Cecilia come, because whoever was on her, like, runs away. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, comforting Lola, and um, there's kind of a, I mean, I don't want to give it all away, but there's kind of a throwback that, like, this is the first time that whoever has assaulted Lola has assaulted her. Yeah. Um, but they end up, like, she ends up, like, comforting her and being, like, being like, I saw him. I saw him. And she just keeps saying, I saw him. And then Lola's like, because I wasn't, or because she's like, it was Robbie. And Lola's like, because I wasn't quite sure. Like, you can tell, like, yeah. she wasn't, like, she didn't really know for sure who it was. Well, you could tell that she's clearly traumatized. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, then Leon and Cecilia come along and they bring Lola back to the house. They call the police. Um, and Bryony tells them that it was Robbie that was on top of her and tells her about, every, tells them about everything else and ends up like going and getting the note. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all waiting for Robbie to come back. So it's like hours later and he finally comes back with, with the, the twins. twins. Yeah. And they just arrest him. And Cecilia like runs up to him and hugs right. him yeah. and he gets arrested. And him and it's very sad. Very sad. So in the, anyways, Robbie ends up going to jail, um, and then it, like in the book, it kind of because I, I think that they like it's in three parts the book, mm-hmm. um, and so the second part it starts out with Bryony as a, a nurse in training in London when she's like seventeen uh-huh. or eighteen because I think like five years have passed, yeah. and Robbie's been in jail the whole time. They end up releasing him so he can go into the army, and they send him to France to fight. And, yeah, so it starts, again, from Bryony's point of view with her in nurse's training. Right. And it just goes through, the, like, the repetition of them, of, like, what they had to do, like, all the cleaning and everything. Yeah. Um, and she tries to talk to Cecilia. And, basically, Cecilia has, like, cut everybody out of her life. Like, she right. doesn't talk to she, her like, family anymore. When they believed that it was Robbie, she, like, defended him and kind of. Right. Ended things with her family. So, I mean, again, I don't want to give too much away, but um, it's not a happy ending. <laughs> it's really not. So, it's kind of like one of those things where, um, and then like the third part of the book is, is Bryony as an old lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she ends up becoming a writer, and it turns out that like the first two parts were all like 
her last the, the novel. novel. Yeah, the last novel that she wrote. And she ends up being, like, I guess a pretty Famous, prominent yeah. writer. Um, and so the last part of the book is just, like, her going to, like, her own birthday party when she's, like, very old. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of, because I think she gets diagnosed with something that's kind yeah, of, terminal. basically, um, I think it's some sort of dementia. dementia. Vascular dementia. Right. Um, so it's like she's she's kind of coming come to grips with the fact that she's gonna basically lose who she is. Um, but I don't want to go into too much more detail because I feel like you really want to. I want people to read the book and because it is kind of a surprise ending. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of. I mean, basically, it ends up being that it wasn't Robbie and she Bryony comes like figures out that it wasn't realizes and realize and what realizes she had done basically. who it was and um yeah so she's basically atonement is because she's trying to atone for, for what she did right as a child and it's kind of it's hard because like you kind of end up like you hate Bryony because right. she she's like this nosy little like indulged child who thinks she's an adult but at the same time, it's like she's, she's a again kid. a child yeah. who thinks she's an adult, and so I think I end up getting more frustrated at like the family and the police who didn't, right? Like who didn't, who just basically convicted this guy based on her testimony. Well, what really drives me nuts is like they've known this guy his entire life, right? And the idea that they would think that he could. You know, he's basically like another kid. Mm-hmm. And to basically just convict him on a what a thirteen what a thirteen year old girl said when she saw something in the dark. Right. It's a little frustrating because mm-hmm. you would think that they would have a little more investigation into that. Right. But, and I mean, yeah, she shows them the note, but Cecilia's like, Yeah, dude, I reciprocated that. Yeah, like right. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally wanted him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, in the movie, Karen Knightley's Cecilia, mm-hmm. and um, Saoirse Ronan is Bryony, and, and she's like she has pretty a much really everybody in the movie is fantastic. Yeah, Robbie is James oh, and McAvoy. it's beautifully filmed. Oh yeah, sorry, Robbie's James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. But all the scenery and everything. Well, because really it's a Joe West movie. Yeah, he did another one of our favorites, Pride and Prejudice, yes. with Karen Knightley because uh-huh. he's into her or something. <laughs> um. But it's, he's just, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, an artist just, like, constantly paints the same person. So he just continues to make movies with Keira Knightley. But, yeah, like you said, it's a very beautiful movie. Um, everybody in it is really, really good. Um, James McAvoy. Benedict Cumberbatch oh, is yeah. the uh, chocolate magnate's son. Yeah. Um, Paul Marshall? Paul Marshall, yes. Um, but... What were you going to say about James McAvoy in the bathtub? Oh, I'm like, he was just in the bathtub. <laughs> He's the best. I think when we watched this movie, I said like 10 times, I love him out mm-hmm. loud. <laughs> it was very disruptive. Right. Um, there's also a really nice part of the book and the movie that is like him in France. Um, yeah. It was during the, um, I think it's very early in the war. It's like 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, if the movie or if the book starts in nineteen forty five, it's gotta be like nineteen forty, forty one. Um and 
it's when well, I think the, it's before the, the British are like, oh yeah, definitely so before. So that's 1941, I think. So it's probably 1940. Yeah, it's definitely before America's in the war. Um, and the British are kind of uh, they're retreating in France. So it's and he gets like um, separated from his unit, and he and two other guys are um, trying to make their way to the coast, the French coast, so they can evacuate. So that's a pretty big part of the movie. Again, it's very beautifully filmed. It's yeah, um, it's like kind of gruesome. Mm-hmm. Uh oh! I also think at the beginning of the movie, they do a really good job of showing like the different perspectives between like Brian and Cecilia and mm-hmm. stuff. I wasn't sure. Sometimes movies just like will just pick one and like leave the others out or something. Yeah, but I thought that was well done. Um. Yeah. So the movie doesn't. I mean, I think the movie stays pretty true to mm-hmm. the book. Up until, like, the end. Because yeah. Because it's really hard to, sh- to show, like, it would have been really hard to film the end where like it's, Brian's like... thoughts. Right, because basically it's it's her, it's, I think it's in the first person, the last yeah. part of it, where it's Briny talking um, about the book. And, I mean, basically what they end up doing in the movie is having her giving, like, a TV interview about the novel. About her last book. And so that's how she, like, so she, it's uh, Vanessa Redgrave, who... Uh, obviously fantastic um gives basically this monologue um which isn't exactly what happens i mean what she says isn't exactly what's in the book but it it does a really good job of kind of because i mean you're not just gonna have her walking around saying what's in her head you know so i think it was it was really well done um it's just it's such a heartbreaking story and it's just it just wrenches you because it's like um, these two people that had like such a connection, but mm-hmm. it was so freaking short. Like it was, it was literally, literally like an seconds. hour, and then he, and he then, got arrested and life was over. Right. <laughs> Whoops. So like, um, yeah. So it's it's pretty um, it's pretty disturbing. Um, there's the whole part of the the second part where um, Briny is like a nurse in training. And that's when, like, the wounded started coming into the hospital. Like, that was pretty visceral, too. Yeah. And there's, in the movie, there's a part uh, where she thinks she sees Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really sad because it's, like, everybody is affected by it, even And it's Brian. crazy, like, such a small, like, one, I mean, it wasn't a small thing to accuse him of that, but, like, one action changed the course of, like, the ent- everyone in the whole family's lives. Mm-hmm. Forever. Forever. And, you know, you do kind of feel bad for Bryony because she grows up and realizes what she did and has to live with that for the mm-hmm. rest of her life. Yeah, I mean, I think in that situation, you just want something like, you want closure and you want the right. person that caused this to have <clears throat> some sort of, you know, you want justice. Right. But in kind of like a vengeful way. For her to kind of go out with vascular dementia where she's just going to slowly like lose who she is. It's just kind of, it's not exactly what you want, right. you know? But it's really good. It's mm-hmm. worth a read or a watch or both. Definitely. I mean, you have to, I don't think I can overstate how emotionally prepared you need to be. Ugh. I mean, I read this when I was working at a retail job where, like, I was the only one in the store and we never had any customers. So I was, I would read it at work and I would be in the middle of the store, like, in the mall, just, like, bawling. <laughs> And I don't normally cry. I mean, I'll kind of, like, get teary-eyed at, like, movies and stuff. But, like, 
this book like legitimately made me openly weep and I was like yeah it's sad Mm -hmm. it's really sad well that was a fun right but I think I I told you that right like Uh do you think that I prepared you enough for it yeah yeah I mean you were pretty much like it's awful Mm -hmm. go read it (laughs) so yeah, it's pretty sad. But it's definitely it's definitely a really, really well written book. Yeah. It's it's a really good story. Uh huh. It is a really good story. Yeah. It's just it's not It's like it's I'm never gonna read it again. Right. Now. Exactly. <laughs> well that's what I said. I said I would never read it again, but then, you know, I took a bullet for you guys. And I was like, we Yeah, I'll read it again. You. I'll watch the I'll watch <laughs> the movie again. Um so yeah, the the book is by Ian McEwen, M C E W A N. And uh, the movie is on Netflix. Um, I mean, let me put it this way. I started watching the movie because I'd read the book and me and Allison kept trying to come up with a time to watch it. And then we were like, oh, maybe we should watch it by ourselves. And so one night I put the movie on, but it was like late and I had worked a lot or something and I was really tired and I knew like two minutes in I wasn't going to make it. So I was watching it with my parents and I was like, you guys can just watch it. I'm going to bed. And then me and Allison ended up watching it together. The next morning, my mom starts yelling at me because why did I turn on such a sad movie and leave them and force them to watch, like, the saddest movie of all time? She was so mad. So it's really – especially if you don't know. Like, you prepared me, but my mom, like, didn't know. Like, it's it's sad. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you kind of – and from the cover of the movie – you kind of think it's going to be just like a normal like love, love story, story type thing and while it is a Nicholas love story, Sparks did not write this uh-uh. book <laughs> it's more like one of those do you remember I forget the name of the woman but she was and I don't even know if it was a woman because it could have been one of those like you know they write all these books and put it out under one author's name oh yeah thing. yeah but it was like everybody like the one I read and I would never read another one because it was so like it's kind of like a walk to remember where, mm-hmm. like, they're in high school and the boyfriend gets cancer and mm-hmm. ends up dying and the girl is just, like, so, I don't know, emotionally wrecked from it. And I was just like, this is like the saddest thing ever. <laughs> but it, there was, like, a whole collection of those books. And I can't remember what it was. Basically, like, my boyfriend has cancer. Well, it's like uh, The Fault in Our Stars is the same kind yeah. of thing. But, yeah, it's basically one of those. But... But the difference, I think, is those books are written specifically to break you in your emotion (laughs) cage. Like, break your emotion cage open, and you just, like, are laying there devastated. Uh Whereas with Atonement, I just think it's a really well-written, well-crafted story. It's very good. Um, That's, I think, I mean, I don't know, is it supposed to, I don't know, the themes of the book or whatever, but I think it, it's about realizing that you've made a mistake. More and... than it is a love story, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more about this, like, it's more about something crazy that happened. Right. Like, the whole story and how she spends, like, the rest of her life, like, trying to yeah deal with that. Right. I mean, the love she... story is a huge part of it. Because right. she but... was, so she was from a wealthy family. Like, she didn't have to be a nurse. Right. During the war. But, you know, that was part of why... Like, her self-punishment, Right. Well, and I think it was also, like, Cecilia ends up, like, breaking with her family, and she ends up going and becoming a nurse. So, again, I think it's, like, Bryony trying to atone. Yeah. And um, get closer to her sister and try to apologize. 
But even like the whole scene where she's apologizing to Cecilia and um, she just like, it's funny because you want her to just say, I was wrong. Like, right. I was wrong. I, this is what I saw. And in my child mind, this is what I thought. Um, and I assumed and I'm sorry. And that's how you want it to go. But I feel like, and I think that that's why there's never a moment where you just kind of are like, oh, this poor Briny girl. Like, yeah. There's never that moment because even when she's apologizing, she never actually just comes out and says, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's like... It's a little frustrating. Like, I feel like she she does know she's wrong and I feel like she is sorry, but she never, like, comes out and just yeah. actually says that. Right. And uh, so... And even at the end where you're going, when she's, like, doing her whole you know, in her monologue thing, it's more like, this is just a really sad situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's hard to feel bad when someone acts that way. Right. <laughs> so, this was a really depressing return yeah, to right? um, Girly Bits Podcast, but for our next episode, it's going to be, I think, a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. Because... We're going to be talking, we're going to basically be doing like a Gilmore Girls season seven recap with um, our celebrated Gilmore Girls guest, Parker. We've been Um, rewatching all of season seven together. Yeah. We have lots of feelings. We have one more episode and then we're going to be um, doing the next episode. Yeah. We have one more episode in season seven, I should say. And then we're going to be doing another episode of the podcast and we'll talk about season seven and what we're looking forward to with the new seasons. Some of our predictions. Yeah. Um, speaking of Gilmore Girls, um, out of the three of us, I was the only one that was able to make it to the, the Luke's Diner pop-up shop here in Rochester. Tragic. There are actually two in Rochester. I ended up going to New Roots um, Coffee House over on Long Pond, which was very cute. Um, and, you know, shout out to all of the people who worked at those coffee houses because the two in Rochester, I know it was hella insane from like 7 a.m. to noon because I got to New Roots at 8.20. No, it was like exactly 8.30 and I didn't leave until 9.45 and that was right. I got my coffee and then we actually ordered breakfast sandwiches because we were starving by that point. But, um... Yeah, so I saved my um, the the coffee sleeve, mm-hmm. and it's blue, and it has the Luke's Diner logo on it, and it was just fun. Like, yeah, and at the end of it, um, the girl that I went with, um, she and I were like, "Man, that was an hour of our life for a free cup of coffee." <laughs> but I was like, I think it's something cool. Like, it was something really cool that Netflix did for Gilmore Girls. Yeah, fans, it's awesome. And I'm really glad that I went. Um, I wish I could have gone. Yeah. Um, Parker was very upset that he was yeah. able to go. Well, I thought it, if it had been like all day, like yeah. I could have gone, but right. bummer. But it looked so fun. Lots yeah. of people posted pictures online, and I yeah, they it. had the um, the no cell phone sign. And so we'll probably talk a little bit more, Parker, uh, in the next episode. Parker will display how sad he was that he wasn't able to go. But, but um, if if um, Luke or Jess had been there, then you can believe that I would have called out of work and so would Parker, (laughs) we would have been there. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so we'll talk about season seven, um, our hopes and dreams for 
the what is the what are they calling it? New season? Is that what they're calling it? I don't know. I can't remember. It's the four. It's the four seasons, but I don't know what the name of it I is. Think it, a year in the life. I don't. Know. I can't remember what it's called. We're some Ben Gilmore girls fan. But um, I've seen it like fifty times. Yeah, I, I know. Think Me of too. We'll say it next time. Right. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our plans for watching it. Oh because yeah, we do have plans for it, and we're very excited for it. Big plans. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram at. Girly Bits Podcast. Um, you can send us an email with any um, ideas or feedback at podcastgirlybits at gmail.com. Um, and this has been really fun, and I missed this. I know. I'm sorry. I'm the worst podcast person. <laughs> what is a po- podcast person called? Podcaster? I'm the worst podcaster. Worst, worst podcaster ever. <laughs> no. Um, thank you for hanging with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to wait so long for this episode, but for this depressing, depressing (laughs) episode. Seriously, (laughs) it'll be more fun. Yeah, we will think of a super happy one after the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're gonna finish up our wine and our chocolate. um, Yeah. But I have been Allison. I have been Catherine. And this has been Girly Bits Podcast. Podcast.